today, he said, there's no sermon, there's no message, but we've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven of us that are going to share some things from what we encountered at the Vineyard Leaders Gathering. So, which of you wants to be first? Who wants to come on up? Okay, Karen. Uh, also, just check that, Rach, just check that this mic is up. Um, people can use this one. And uh, I'm going to get out the way. Yeah, Chris. <laughs> Different steps from the Thank other you, side. Yeah. I'm going first because I'm nervous and maybe slightly negative. So, when the advert goes out for National Leaders Conference, my heart fills with dread. I absolutely hate going with a passion. <laughs> I go because Mark wants me to go, but I'd rather, I'd rather not. And I'd like to say that when I get there, that all goes away and I have a great time. I don't. I can feel myself retreating further and further into myself. And... It's unlike me, and I don't know why I do it, because normally I'm the extrovert and Mark's the introvert. When we go there, I'm the introvert. He's the extrovert. He sees, oh, hi, how are you? Hi, hi, hi. And I'm like, oh, I can't be bothered. So I just sit down. But, you know, there's always a couple of things that I take away from it, and I think it does rub off on me, because when I came here today, it was like, oh, family. It's lovely to be here, and the worship's great, and you just feel, you know, home. So, so I think the things that I took away from the worship, the worship was good, is always good. The drumming, Rach said that when the drums start, she doesn't like that feeling in her chest, whereas I love that feeling when you hear the bass. Amen. The drum and the bass guitar in my chest. I think, yes, I feel like I'm in a nightclub. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> so one of the main speakers, um, one of the evenings, I can't remember which, he was called Archie Coates. And he talked about faith, but Rach is going to talk about that in more depth. So he was just absolutely amazing. I listened to everything he said from start to finish. Normally I, I wander off and start thinking about shopping and my shopping list and anything else but listen so you know it was he was really good and then we went to a talk in the afternoon seminar led by John and Ellie Mumford who used to be the leaders the national leaders they've sort of stepped aside but are still involved and I thought oh, I don't really fancy going to anything actually but they're a bit of a laugh they're very posh they sound very posh and when they start telling jokes, it's even funnier because of their delivery. It, I just know. So I thought, well, I'll go because that's a laugh. I'll have a laugh. And they started talking about follow that leader. And in the, the vineyard, they talk about the character of the leader and how that's the most important aspect. You could be a great leader, but if you don't have the character of a good leader, you might as well not bother. So 1 Timothy 3, 1 to 6, I will read it. And it's for all of us, really, not just leaders. We all need this. Whew. Is it a true saying that if someone wants to be an elder, overseer, 
He, decides an, he desires an honourable responsibility. For an elder must be a man whose life cannot be spoken against. He must be faithful to his wife. He must exhibit self-control, live wisely and have a good reputation. He must enjoy having guests in his home and must be able to teach. He must not be a heavy drinker or be violent. He must be gentle, <clears throat> peace-loving, and not one who loves money. He must manage his own family well, with children who respect and obey him. For if a man cannot manage his own household, how can he take care of God's church? An elder must not be a new Christian, because he might be proud of being chosen so soon, and the devil will use that pride to make him fall. Also, people outside the church must speak well of him so that he will not fall into the devil's trap and be disgraced. So there's, um, there's a story that John talked about. They, when they first started um, leading a church, it was in southwest London, and they'd been interns with John Wimber, so they'd come back and it was all new and, and they were leading this church service. It was all going great guns. And they had a leaders meeting one Saturday and they all sat around, quite a few of them. And this man said, well, John, you know, when we all come to the school, the Holy Spirit's in the room. We feel it while we're setting up, get the coffee ready, alert, everything do the worship, the Holy Spirit's really there. And then you get up and preach, and then the Holy Spirit just disappears. <laughs> and, you know, that could have started a row, and that would, could have really hurt John. But he just said, well, yes, yes, you're actually quite right. Could you please pray for me to be a better teacher, preacher? And completely flipped it on its head, you know, rather than making a massive row over it he just said well yes you're quite correct but can you pray for me to be a better preacher and it was it just sort of just fell away so that that was really good and I really liked that um the other thing I really liked was having breakfast mm -hmm. with everybody everybody that went and everyone feeding back what they liked and what they you know did what which seminar did you go what did you do with little snippets we just had nice breakfast and some of us propped the bar up in the evening. You know, I was, every evening, I was like, when's it finished? When's it finished? When can we go back and prop the bar up? Just because I wanted to get home, get back to the hotel and, ugh, over. But I think, you know, now I'm here and it's finished and I'm relieved, I'm home, it's done for another year. It does rub off and probably if you did come, you'd love it. It's just, just the way I, I am. So, yeah, that's me. Um, okay, yes, yeah, so... Um, yeah, it was a great, great time away. Um, and, um, yeah, when I, come, when I came home yesterday, I, and having breakfast this morning, I was like, where is everyone? I'm on my own. It's just me and my cat. Um, and, um, yeah, so it's amazing how quickly you get into the habit of having people around you and... Um, eating quite a lot for breakfast, which I didn't do this morning. Um, so I'm going to talk about Archie Coates. Um, he's a 
Anglican, I think. Um, you know, we still allowed him at the Vineyard Conference, even though he's an Anglican. Um, and he was great. He was talking about um, when he and his wife and family went down to Brighton. Um, and he gave us a sort of story of about 12 years of his kind of ministry down there. Um, and he was talking about um, that one of the first things they did was um, look after the street people. Um, and so they had this building, they didn't know what to do with it, um, and then they decided to open it on a Saturday um, for the street people. Um, and so people would come on a Saturday, that was lovely, and then the women sort of said, well, we'd quite like to meet on our own, as women do, um, do the old nails, do the hair, you know, that sort of thing. So they opened up on a Thursday for that. And then the men were like, well, hang on a minute, you know, why are the women getting all the fuss? So they opened on a Wednesday for the men. Um, and then, you know, fast forward 12 years, and they've church planted eight churches. Um, and they're now in the process of moving back to London um, and taking over at HDB. Um, but what he said was, and what, what I take away from it is, he said that when he first went down there, he would not in a million years have thought that they would plant eight churches and that they would have the success and he said that all actually he needed was to have enough faith to open their doors on a Saturday afternoon and the rest followed. Um, and so what I want to say to you guys is we don't have to have the faith for the big things. We don't have to think about 15 years time when this church is massive and we're doing this. We just have to have faith for what is the next step and what is tomorrow. Um, yeah, that's it. Mark and Jill said to keep it brief, <laughs> so I, I have. <laughs> um, can you hear me? Um, I've written it out cause, to try and be succinct, um, but quite often I'm so succinct that Ray doesn't understand what I'm trying to say. So. <laughs> impacted me the most was an interview with three people um, who talked eloquently about their experiences of growing up and living in a different society or culture uh, where they were made to feel other because of their own experiences and background. Um, at, at the end the whole gathering got up and clapped them but one of them looked so sad that it stayed with me. Uh, and I've been asking myself the question, should we have been repenting? Um, over the next day, I remembered vividly uh, an experience as a child of feeling other. That has stayed with me since, not in a bad way, but perhaps to draw on to help to understand others' experience of feeling or being made to feel other. Well, I haven't been here for two weeks because I got COVID. But now I can understand what people 
went through when they had COVID. Before that, I couldn't understand it. It was just outside of my experience. Now it's within my experience. So uh, uh, now I can sympathize with you, or is it empathize with you. I'm back in church. I'm a changed person. <laughs> Driving down the motorway yesterday, um, th there's a section at the moment where you have to go a bit slower at 60 miles an hour. And I was going driving down there thinking, what shall I say today? And um, as I was coming along, the inside lane's doing 59 miles an hour. We were in the middle lane and doing 60 miles an hour. Mark and, and Jill were in the outside lane doing 61 miles an hour. <laughs> they passed me by on the other side and didn't see me there. And I was thinking as I was going along, and I went behind them for a little bit, and I waved at them through the back mirror, their front back mirror, but they didn't see because Mark wasn't looking. Uh, and I went beside them for a bit, uh, and they didn't see me there. And I thought, we're so close together, and yet we're apart. Because we had our window up, they had their window up, we were just a, a, a couple of meters away, and yet we were separated by two sheets of glass. And this is like it is with God, isn't it? That we can be right close to God and God close to us, but we don't know because our window is wound up. And to hear God's voice, he will unwind his window. He, it's, he drives along, I think, with his window open all the time. But we have to wind down our window to hear what God is saying. So that's what I felt as I was driving along. Uh, and, and that wasn't what I was going to say. This, well, it was what I was going to say this morning, but that's not why I got out of, the set, uh, out of stuff. I went to a seminar while I was there, which was on... Um, mental well-being, sorry, mental health and well-being in a post-COVID time. Uh, and the speaker was actually Patrick Reagan, for those that know, but it's not important who spoke to uh, this subject. But I went along to see if there are any tips I could pick up on, on um, just what people were going through with COVID uh, and how maybe... I could help them, or whatever. Um, and the speaker had three points, but he was really talking about one thing. He was talking about gentleness. He, he said that gentleness uh, is strength wrapped up in peace. That was someone else's definition, not his. But I would say gentleness is wrapped up in peace and love and kindness, and other fruits of the Spirit as well within a Christian context. And his first point, he said, was be gentle with yourself. He said, remember, you are not responsible for the COVID pandemic. And he said, don't let COVID issues affect the whole of your life. What he also said, which I thought was really interesting, was that we already have issues in our life which may affect our, our mental health or our well-being, 
that were there before the pandemic. They haven't changed. They haven't gone away. Maybe they've been exacerbated. Maybe they've been made worse by the pandemic. And they will still need time to heal. A quick prayer that everything will be hunky-dory, rosy, is not the thing. It's an ongoing time. It's the process uh, there. It will take time to heal. And for us, the effects of COVID may not be over yet, may not be over for a long time. We may never, ever get over some of the effects of the pandemic and the lockdown and the loss of face-to-face -face chat and the loss of hugs that we were used to in church. All those things were gone. They were taken away from us. Maybe it was difficult to process life without those things. And now we're able to start processing them again. So, be patient with yourself and take time. Be gentle with yourself. The next point he said was be gentle with others. We don't know what it's like for other people who went through COVID pandemic and are still going through the tail end of it. We have no idea what extra things they may have had, what pressures they had, which we didn't have. We have to listen to them, listen to their story. And he gave two tips. One is, listen to their story without interrupting it so you can hear the whole story and don't tell them your story until they've finished telling you your story. And the other little bit he said about this was that empathy of listening and caring, no sentence within empathy starts with, um, I've lost my place. Um, if it, even if I had it. Um, yes, uh, but you. You've had COVID and all this. Uh, but no, sorry, but still, but you still have this, that, and the other. You know, you, you lost your job, but you've still got a house. You've lost your family, but you've still got something. But you uh, still have is not what to say to people who are hurting, who are grieving, who are needing. They need gentleness. They won't tell you what they're feeling and hurting, and is you learn to listen. Be gentle with others. That care and com compassion that we have as a fruit of the Spirit, hopefully in our lives, that is what we can use for others. The care, the compassion, the love, the joy, the peace, the long-suffering, the gentleness, kindness, faith, meekness, and self-control. Let's control ourselves as we care for others. And the third point the speaker said was about the gentleness of God. And I would urge you to look up gentleness, or the word gentle, within a concordance uh, and see some of the scripture references. Jesus said in Matthew eleven twenty nine, 
well, that's where it's written, that I am gentle and humble in heart. And in 1 Peter 3.15, which is about intercessing for others, uh, do this with gentleness and respect. And in James, how do you restore the fallen brother? You do it with gentleness and respect. So we have a God of gentleness. Be gentle with yourself. Be gentle with others. And always seek the gentleness of God. Wind down the window and hear his voice. Yeah, just coming on from, from what um, Karen said, the three guys have got up, all black, and, you know, as, as a movement, you know, looking around the room, we were mostly all white. Um, but inclusion is, is something that's really important, and it was really good that they got up. But the one that, that really impressed me was Josh, who's planting Hope Vineyard in uh, Oxford. And he's adopted, and he was adopted by white people. And he lived in Africa, and he was treated as a white man because he was with white parents. He had white privilege. He grew up as a white person. Then he came to this country, and he immediately was a black man. And he saw the other side. And what really impressed me was how he dealt with that. And I spoke to I got a chance to speak to him, and I said, you've got a unique perspective on life, because you as a black man have experienced both sides of the coin. You can, you can bridge the gap like probably no other person can, maybe. And I, as a white man, can't understand what you feel, because I've had white privilege all my life. So I said, thank you for what you shared, because it was very powerful. And it made me realize, you know, my prejudice, well, I don't think I'm prejudiced, but I am just because of who I am and that I'm white. And so that was really powerful to me, what he said. And, and Karen just reminded me of that. But what I wanted to say was, on Thursday, it was the first day up there, I looked at the program for the afternoon seminars and I thought, there's nothing here I, I want to go to. So Chris and I skived off and went back to the hotel. And so I'm sitting in a hotel and put the telly on and countdown's on. The old version, not, not the, the funny version with, with Jimmy Carr, but the proper version of Countdown. Uh, and in that, Susie Dent, who's the lexographer, um, every now and again they say, tell us about a word. And she told us about family. She said, the word family, and this is what family means. And I'll read it to you, because I've looked it up. The word family comes from the Latin word familius, meaning servants. Originally, family referred to the people living together in the same household, including family members as well as servants and even lodgers. So that was a family, not blood relatives, as it's come to mean today. It didn't come to mean that until the 16th or 17th century. And then in the evening, we did communion together. And they talked about family. And as I looked around the room, I thought, yeah, this is my family. And you are my family. You are my brothers and my sisters. It's got nothing to do with blood. And the fact there that family came from servant 
we are servants of the living God. If we believe in Jesus, we are servants of the living God. So we are truly family. And then if you go to, um, which I think the book it is now, uh, in the Bible, <laughs> because I'm looking at it on my, my iPad, and it, doesn't, it just tells me Holy Bible New International Version. I'll tell you the, where it comes from in a minute. But um, this is what it says here. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear. Rather, the Spirit you receive brought about your adoption as sonship and daughtership. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. Indeed, we share in his suffering in order that we may also share in his glory. So not only are we servants, but we're actually sons and daughters of the living God because we've been adopted. And that really struck me that we are family. And that came out of not even being at the conference. That was, that was from you know, countdown, and just God spoke to me through that. That was brilliant. And the other thing they did was, as we were doing communion, they said, so go and find somebody and say, I'm so glad you're part of this family. I was able to go to two people that I've known for years and say, I'm so glad that you're part of this family and I'm family with you. So we are family. Good morning, everybody, and thank you, leaders. Do you see what a rebel bunch we lead? <laughs> I think for, for me, Mark and I were up on the Wednesday for the Senior Pastors Day, and it was so wonderful. Mark's just been touching on this, to be with our Vineyard tribe, to be with the senior pastors and leaders that we hadn't seen during the whole time of the pandemic when we couldn't meet together. And although we'd had many Zoom calls, it just wasn't the same as being together and sharing life and having a hug and finding out how they're doing and, and things that are happening. And it was just such a blessing to think that we're part of this tribe. And, and it was just amazing. And the whole spirit of the conference was just one of tenderness, one of acceptance, one of going deeper. It was a very different spirit from any of the other conferences we'd been to. It was really, really beautiful. And the care for us as senior pastors was overwhelming. There was such a recognition on the day we spent together of what it had been like to lead through the pandemic what it had been like not to be able to be with our people, what it had been like to try and manage all these technical, digital things that we'd never had to attempt or even think about before, and how we managed to keep in touch with our church family, and how amazing it's been to come back into the building and to be this family again, hugging each other, and the pain as leaders as we face those people that we've either lost or who just haven't come back. And it seemed like the average was about 60% of the churches actually come back into the building. And that's a 
a huge pain for us as leaders because if we don't have people to lead, then, then we're not leaders. We're only doing this for the people in our church family. And so there was such a recognition of, of the pain and, and the difficulties. And the very first speaker that was just for the senior pastors spoke about the schemes of the devil. And we were made so aware of how, as leaders, you come under attack. But as Christians, we come under attack. And there was a real sense that we're coming into a place where we're going to be more and more and more under attack because we are Christians. And if we stand up for our faith, we're going to be under attack. And we're in a post-truth culture where we have God. He is our truth. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And he calls us to follow him. But in the post-truth culture, they say, it's their truth. It's my truth. What I believe is my truth. There is no such thing as truth. And it's quite funny, because if they say to you, there is no such thing as truth, then you're saying to them, but you're claiming your statement is true, that there's no such thing as truth. Do you see how daft it gets? But we're going to be under attack because our truth is not the truth of this culture. And how do we stand? And it was so encouraging to be reminded of who we are in Christ, of Christ's love for us, of his calling on our lives. And the very last message was, how do we carry on when we're hard pressed? And this isn't just for leaders, it's for all of us. How do we carry on when we are hard pressed? And the first thing is God. It's all about God. We need to be diving into God. We need to be in the word of God. We need to be in prayer. If we don't make God our priority, we will continue to face these pressures because the burdens are heavy. But Jesus' yoke is light. So we need to be pressing in. We need to be prioritizing our prayer time. We need to be prioritizing our spiritual disciplines. We need to be prioritizing knowing the word and standing on it. And that's a commitment. I just want to thank you people for being here this morning. You, you don't know how much it means to us that you've taken the effort to be here. And I'm sorry you couldn't find your key and got locked out your house, Olive and Sarah. But do you see the commitment? You've got a little one you're caring for. You're locked out of your house. You can't get here on time. You don't put your feet up. It was not, not much sense in bothering then. Message comes. We're really sorry, but we're coming. That's what it means to prioritize church. And thank you for doing that. 
But it's so important that we keep God's center. And if you're feeling hard-pressed, go back to him. Go back to him. And the second one, which Mark and others have touched on, it's family. We are better together. The church is the body of Christ. And we know the scriptures, Romans, if one part is hurting, we all hurt. You know what Audrey's just been through? We all hurt. And when we rejoice, we rejoice together. Sarah and Oliver's baby's not theirs, it's ours. We rejoice because this is what we are. This is what family means. We are better together and coming together, making that sacrifice, making that commitment, being here on a Sunday, being part of the connect groups. That's when we're hard-pressed. That's when we come. That's when we press in. That's when we turn to each other and go, I'm really struggling. And someone will lift you up. Do you remember the story of Moses and the battle going on and he couldn't even hold his hands up? And so he had his mates on either side. And when they lifted his arms up, the battle went their way. When he just couldn't hold his arms up anymore, they started losing. We need each other to be holding each other's arms up. And so thank you. Thank you for coming here. Thank you for being those that hold each other's arms up. We are better together. When we're hard-pressed, we need our family. And just remember that we are there for each other. And then the last thing that we need to know is that we are in a community that's outside of our family. And we can make a difference to those people because of who we are and because of what we've got. There are people out there that are hurting. We heard a little bit about people feeling other and what Ray was sharing. Can we wind our windows down? Because we've got so much, because we've got God. And let's keep our eyes and our ears open for those people who are other, those people who are struggling, those people who we know, it may be in our workplace, it may be in our street, it may be in our extended family, but we have the answer. We can go to them. They are hard pressed. As Ray was sharing, coming out of COVID, it's not over, the repercussions are still there, but we've got the solution. We joked with Michael when he came in and we were talking about the problem. We said, no, we're going to take the word problem out of the dictionary. It's not going to be there anymore. We're only going to have the word solution. And we are the solution. And as we come to break bread together now, it's because we're a family. And Jesus invited his family of disciples to break bread with him to remember him. And as part of that extended family, as disciples of Jesus, we're invited to come to the table, to come to the table as family, to break bread, to remember Jesus' death on the cross is our saving grace. And we need to be inviting others to the table because everyone is welcome. Jesus died like this 
with his arms open wide. And today's culture will accuse us of being exclusive. But we're not. We are the most inclusive group of people on the planet because Jesus died for all. And we need to be looking out for those people that we can invite to the table. So if you're feeling hard-pressed, as you break bread now, just take that to Jesus and let him lift it from you. And if you know someone who's hard-pressed, lift them up to Jesus now as you break bread. And can I just pray? Father, we just thank you that we can come to your table. The table is a place of intimacy and fellowship and conversation and togetherness. And we thank you that you drew your disciples together for that last supper. And you reminded them that you were going to give your life for them and you give your life for us. Lord, we say thank you. Thank you. We want to remember this sacrifice as we take of your body and your blood. But Lord, we also want to invite others in and bring them in to the place where they can know what you have done for them and they can be set free that they need not be hard-pressed, that you are the solution. So we just say thank you, Jesus. We have hearts so full of gratitude for what you have done for us. And we just want to come now with those grateful hearts and partake in holy communion as we remember you and we remember those that need your grace, your love. So amen. And please, would you break bread at your tables? Father, thank you that we can remember Jesus and all that you've done for us at this time. Thank you, Lord. Amen. <clears throat> so why do we have these vineyard leaders gatherings, or as they used to be called, national leaders conferences? Why do we have them? What is the reason for that? And it's found in Scripture, in 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 2. For those of you who know me, it's one of my favorite verses. It says, And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men and women who will be able to teach others also. It's the whole thing of passing on the baton of teaching, training, equipping for those. Why do we come back and feed back to you of what God has said to us? It's to equip you for what God is doing in our midst. So it's a, it's a time of being together to be equipped so that we're equipped to equip you to go out and equip others, teach others. It's that ongoing thing. That's why we have the Vineyard Leaders Gathering, as it's now called. And being together at the, uh, as, uh, with the Vineyard Tribe of leaders on the Wednesday at the senior pastors gathering was really great. Catching up with friends that we've not seen for over two years. Yes, we've seen them on Zoom, but as Jill said, it's not the same as when we 
And just as we experienced when we came out of our Zoom meetings and coming back into the, into the building, there's just such a, a difference of being together. It was great hearing stories of what God had been doing, the triumphs during lockdown, as well as how some had been struggling for various reasons, but they had hung in there and, and come through it because of the encouragement of their area or regional leaders coming alongside them and walking with them through their struggles. There were a few people that I spoke to that were like that, that had problems, that had struggles, but they had people come alongside them. Getting rid the one guy was literally getting ready to give up. And his leaders came, the leader, regional leader came alongside and said, No, no, no. Just take another month off and then come back and see how you're feeling. And that's why we are there together for one another. It just makes you appreciate the Vineyard family that we are part of and have structures that have been put in place over the past number of years, structures that are not rigid to stop us from doing anything, but structures that are there to give you the freedom to try things. And if you fail, there are people who will be there with you to help you through those failures as well as through the successes. So it's been really great to hear those stories and to know that there are people around us. So we might be a small church, but we are part of something much bigger because we are part of the Vineyard Tribe of UK and Ireland. And it's wonderful to be part of that tribe, the family. All the teachings and, and seminars, that, seminars that I attended were inspirational, encouraging, and uplifting. I missed out one of them, um, which Jill did go to, but it will be available for me to listen later on, because I met an old friend of mine who was on one of the stands in, in the village um, promoting something there. We hadn't seen one another since 2001. And it was amazing just to be able to catch up with him. And uh, it was just good. So, but that's also part of it, catching up with people that you haven't seen. We do it. Um, the, the, the teachings were brilliant, really great, uplifting, encouraging. And so we, we've, there's been some talk of what people heard, um, but I don't want to regurgitate anything or any particular one, but there are two things that I felt God said to me for us, the Grace Vineyard family. And some people have touched on this already. It says, firstly, we're living in difficult times, and there's a spiritual battle going on in the heavenly realm that is manifesting in the physical realm. And I'm not just talking about the war in Ukraine and other places. The church worldwide is under attack, and this includes us, Grace Vineyard. But God has given us the weapons to fight and defeat these attacks. It's called prayer. Prayer, talking to God, bringing it before God, telling Him about it, and listening to Him for those answers. Prayer is not only vital for our survival, but it's also for our thriving. If we want to thrive, we need to be in prayer. If we want to see the kingdom of God in our midst, we need to be committed and intentional about our prayer times and our prayer meetings. And I'm speaking as much to myself as I am to speaking anyone else here, any one of you who is, who's listening, be it in the room or those online. Um, my prayer life has room to improve. It has got room to improve. I know that. God has been challenging me about it. And this was just confirmed again at the, the Vineyard Leaders Gathering. Prayer is important. When we were in Malawi, I always used to say there that the, the prayer meeting was the engine room of the church. We met every Friday evening in the church house in Malawi. And we prayed every Friday evening. And that was the engine room of the church. 
Now, I don't think I've said it much here. I might have said it once or twice in, in the whole time. I don't think I've ever said it, but I want to say it. The prayer meeting is the engine room of the church. We need to fire up the engine again and get the vessel of Grace Vineyard moving forward. I feel like we've been in a river facing upstream, and the engine has just been ticking over and keeping us in that place. We've not gone backwards. We've not been pushed backwards by the tide, but we've made no advances. We've just been ticking over. And now's the time to raise the revs on the engine and to get us going forward, to heading, head upstream to the destiny that God has for us. Secondly, is our involvement or lack thereof in our community. We say, we say that we encounter God so that we can, can encounter people. But in reality, we're doing very little that impact, impacts our community. I know that lockdown has not helped, but there, and there are no longer the, under the, we are no longer under these restrictions, under the restrictions of lockdown. So we need to be looking at how we can go out and make a difference in the life of our community. Now, I know that we come from various communities. There's very few of us that actually live in Purley. The churches here in Purley, very few of us live in Purley. We travel from outside of Purley. So we need to be asking God, what is it that we can do that will have an impact in our community where we live, as well as the Purley community? It's where we gather. So we need to be asking God, how can we make a difference in these areas? I don't have the answers. Okay, I don't have them. I'll be the first to admit that. But as we wait on the Lord in our prayer times, and ask Him for directions and ideas, I know that He'll give them to us. We need God's direction in this. Jill and I are not the only ones who can hear from God for this. The leadership team of the church is not the only ones that can hear from God in this. Each and every one of you can hear from God, and He can speak to you about it. He can give you answers to these things that we're looking at. We can ask him for ideas and the direction in this area. Now, there are other things that God spoke to me about there from our time at the, at the Vineyard Leaders Gathering, but those are for me. There's things that he spoke to me about personally, and I need to work through them and implement them in my life. And these will hopefully spill out and spill into and have an impact in the lives of all of us who are called to be, who have called Grace Vineyard as our home. We have been called by God to ramp up our prayer time and to see how we can impact the community. That's what I really sense from, from that, where we need to be asking God, where are we going, what are we doing, and how do we do that? Spend time in his presence. I just need to say one thing. Ray Ma Satnab was saying I was doing 60 mile an hour, not 61. Okay. <laughs> all, our, all our car speedos run slightly differently depending on the the tire pressure. Okay. So, looking at time, we don't have time to do the questions, but I've got some questions for us to look at, and what I'd ask you to do is, I will email it out to everybody, I'll email out these questions to you, but I'll ask you, if you can't take a copy of, take a photograph of that, zoom, in, zoom into that, take a picture, those that are online, if you can take a snap of that, and let's have a look. So, the questions are, what do you see as your role in the life of Grace Vineyard? What do you see as your role in the life of Grace Vineyard? 
Secondly, is there something that you would like to be doing that you're not presently doing in the life of Grace Vineyard? Is there something that you would like to be doing that you're not presently doing in the life of Grace Vineyard? I will email these out and we'll probably do it this afternoon. Okay, and then thirdly, how do you think we can make an impact in our community? What do you think we could be doing that we are not presently doing? All right, and then the fourth one is pray for one another, but we're not going to be doing this in the groups now. But you can, if you want to pray for one another on your table, you can do that. Don't look so aghast, Jill. Okay, because we're going to worship and we're going to have some ministry time then when we get to pray for people. So those are the things. What do you see as your role in the life of Grace Vineyard? Is there something that you'd like to be doing that you are not presently doing in the life of Grace Vineyard? And thirdly, how do we think we can make an impact in our community? What do you think we could be doing that we are not presently doing? I will email this out to you, and if you want to, you can email back to me with what you feel God is saying to you in these things, if you want to, just see where. So if you feel there's something you want to be doing, or give us ideas. And for those that are online, you're welcome to do that as well. You'll get the email, and then just uh, send it back. To, to, my, to the email that you receive, re respond to that. Let's pray. Father, thank you that you love us, that you created us to be family, that as a family we are part of a tribe that's greater than just our local family. And I thank you, Lord, for that. And our tribe is part of a greater community, a nation, a nation of believers, your kingdom believers, Lord. Our nation is a kingdom. We don't belong to any one country, but we belong to the kingdom of God. That's what nationality has stamped on us. And say thank you, Lord, for that, that you just remind us of these things. And Lord, for all that has been shared this morning, I pray that what is spoken to each and every one's heart that they would take hold of it and they would respond to it. Thank you, Lord. Amen.